Happy New Year. That was lame. We can do better than that. It's 2023, guys. Happy New Year. Hey, I hope you're glad for 2023. If you're like me, uh, the older I get, the years seem to pass a little faster. I'm learning this, and I'm going, no, it can't be 2023, but here we are, alas. I'm glad that you're here. My name is Jason Hamm. Uh, my wife and I are so glad to be here with you. We came over, actually, one of the Friday nights on the lawn and met many of you. Uh, heard Bob's testimony that night, which was so amazing, and we know some of you in your congregation. But I've gotten to know your pastor over the last few months, and I've got to tell you, you guys are blessed. Tracy's awesome. Amen. He's awesome. Um, I met with him for about an hour in his office a month ago, and I got to tell you, he told me he's been here for about 18 years. Is that right? He told me he's been here about that long. And I got to tell you guys, um, it's hard to find a pastor who's approaching 20 years who's still as, as passionate for his people as he is. So you are very blessed, and I'm honored. He called me, uh, said, hey, I'm not going to be here on the first. Would you step in? I'm like, sure. Hopefully they'll understand me. I just got back from South Carolina. I'm trying to hide my southern accent. Um, and so if I say some things, my wife is in the back. She can translate. Uh, but I'm glad to be with you here today. I hope you had a good Christmas. Hard to believe Christmas has already blown past us and we're into the new year. But, um, you know, this past Christmas was interesting for me. I, I'm originally from South Carolina. And so I went back over the last week and spent time with my dad. He's 81 years old, lost my mom about eight years ago to cancer. And they were married for 50 years. And so he kind of lives a, a bit of a lonely life. And so we went down to visit with him. And when we got down there Wednesday a week ago, there was no Christmas decorations up. It was kind of a sad situation. So my wife and I would go down to the basement and we'd pick up all the, the artificial tree and we're bringing it up. And you know how sometimes happens when you're digging out your Christmas decorations that you find other stuff that you kind of forgotten about? Um, my parents' basement is kind of this treasure trove of items from my childhood now. It's like this museum. And as I was back there, uh, you know, I, I found two bins and one of them was my mom's china. And by the way, as a male, I don't get China. I, I just don't understand it. I, I learned that you don't get it, but you got to get it. You know what I'm saying? Um, so there was my mom's China, and I, I saw how beautiful the plates were. And then I found some of the silverware that went with the China, uh, all the, my mom's China. And I started looking through it and kind of reminiscing on the memories. And, and, you know, it brought back a lot of memories. And, it, and I was struck by some of the beauty, and some of it's tarnished now. It's old. But, you know, as I, as I looked at it, you know, I could hear my mom's voice. This stuff didn't come out very often. It's nice stuff, too. It's a little bit heavier, heavier stuff, you know, definitely costs a little bit more money. But I could hear my mom's voice because uh, this stuff didn't come out very often. But when it did, it was always because we either had guests or it was a special occasion. And I could hear my mom's voice saying, hey, let's get out the nicer forks, <laughs> right? And so I, I literally picked up a fork, and that's the title of the message, The Nicer Forks, is I, I thought about, when I picked up a fork, I thought of my mom, I heard my mom say, hey, let's get out the nicer forks. You know, as, as I was thinking about that today, you know, I, I wondered why this stuff didn't come out more often, right? I mean, our house wasn't very big, we had an eat-in kitchen, uh, there was this china cabinet that took up way too much space for our small house, but I know why it didn't come out, because I am the youngest of three boys, and I'm also the runt, okay? My eldest brother is six foot nine, my middle brother is six five, and I'm six three. Um, so we were the family that the mom was always saying, this is why we can't have nice things, <laughs> right? So there's a reason why this stuff didn't come out very often. You know, it, it, my mom kept this stuff set apart. It was always set apart and set apart for special occasions. You know, you have the same stuff. It may not be china, it may not be silverware, but you have nicer stuff, right? Don't you? You have some nicer stuff, stuff that you maybe have tucked away in your basement or in a back room that maybe someone you love very much gave to you, and you don't want anybody to touch it. You don't want anything to happen to it because it has a special place for you. For some of you, maybe it's clothes. 
Maybe you only wear certain clothes to certain occasions. You have a set-apart wardrobe, right? You have things you will only wear to a certain situation. Or maybe it's your appearance. I can promise you not one person in this room looks like you did three hours ago. <laughs> can I just promise you that? Right? Did y'all have church last Sunday, by the way? Did y'all meet last Sunday? Y'all did? How many of you stayed home and were in your pajamas all day? Can we just be honest? A couple of you did? Oh, you wore pajamas here. <laughs> so you completely blew up my analogy. Oh, she was sick in bed, so she was in her pajamas all day. But, I mean, seriously, if it, you only stay in your pajamas at home all day if you don't have guests coming over, right? Most of the, I mean, y'all are weird. Y'all come to church in your pajamas. Okay, I, I give you that. But you and I have set apart things, just like my mom's china. Maybe it's not china. Maybe it's not silverware for you. But you have set apart things in your life. You have things that you only bring out at certain occasions. Can I tell you something? That God has something set apart, too. God has people that he wants to be set apart in the world. You know, you, as the same way you have a higher standard for some of the things that you keep hidden, some of the things that you hold maybe in your basement or that you don't bring out that often, or that wardrobe or how you look, God has different standards for us as well. In the passage that we just saw today, Paul was trying to get you and I to the idea, I don't know if you caught that, he talked about there being set apart vessels. Did you catch that? That in a house, there are items of gold and silver, and there are items that are made out of wood. There are different kind of things because they have different kind of uses. And here's what Paul's after. And, and I got to tell you, I wrestled with God over speaking this today because I know we're in the church calendar. We're still talking about Christmas, and I'm like, Lord, this isn't about Christmas. But this is what God said on my heart for you, and I'm hoping that you'll be challenged by it today. What Paul's talking about is the idea of holiness. Now, I don't know what you think about when you think about the word holy or holiness. For some of you, I imagine in the room, maybe you're like me, you get kind of fatalistic about it, and you say things like, well, I'll just never beat this. I know God has called me to a certain standard, but I'm, it's just, it's, I'm never going to beat it. It's just in my life. Some of you, maybe you use the defensive tactic, gosh, I've done this. Man, I do this all the time. Well, it's just who I am. It's how God made me. I'm like, really? How about, are, are some of you deflective? Some of you say, well, if you knew the family I was from, I'm better than they are. Or maybe the way you treat a coworker at work is like, well, you don't know who I work with. If you knew who I work with, you'd understand why I behave the way I do. Well, let me ask you this. Are you just comparative? You say, well, that may have been, maybe I didn't do what God wanted me to do, but at least I'm not like whoever. I'm saying those because those are things I've all said. Anybody? You ever said that? And so what happens is God has called us to a different standard of living, to a holiness, if you will. And what happens is we excuse that we make an excuse for how we act because we don't think we can do it. I mean, maybe we've tried. We've tried to live up, we've tried to live up to God's standard. I mean, we, we gave it the old college try, but we failed. And so when it comes to holiness, it's just too hard, right? Anybody? Hello? Am I the only one here? It's hard. Holiness is hard. That's why we don't talk about it, because the standard seems so high. And so, guys, we got a big problem got a real big problem here's why with god holiness isn't an option it's not an option god didn't make our holiness an option i'm sorry leviticus eleven forty five. when when we're god is talking to the people of israel what does he say be holy do you know the verse as i am holy now some of you bible scholars are like well he was talking to the nation of israel i'm clear i'm good <laughs> problem is you get to first peter what is 1 Peter 1.15? In the words of the Apostle Peter, 
but now you, talking to the church, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. Sorry, it's not just an Old Testament thing. And when Jesus called us, when he calls people to follow him, what does he say? He says, follow me, doesn't he? What is his invitation? His invitation is, come live as I did. Come live a holy life. And if you're like me, I'm like, really, God? Really? I mean, does that bother you? Because it bothers me that God says, I want you, you people are to be holy. That's what God says to do. But it it bothers me that God says, here's what we're supposed to do, but it almost feels like we can't do it. And what kind of God does that? I mean, if you were a parent, let's, some of you are in here parents. A lot of you are parents. I see a lot of kids around here. Your parents, imagine that you set a standard for your kid that they can never meet. Imagine you do that to your kid. I'd say you're a mean parent. I'd say you need to get in some counseling. And yet, doesn't it feel like this is kind of what God does for us? He sets his standard and I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, I'm left wondering as I go into a new year, God, as he's put this idea of holiness on my heart, and I get to bring it to you today. And by the way, I'm not, I, I, I didn't want to preach this because I'm like, God, I am not the example of holiness. Like, why do you want me to talk about this? But it does feel as if God has set the bar so high that we can't meet it. Is it even possible to live a holy life? I mean, God says live a holy life, but <laughs> really? Let me just say something with holiness before we dive into our passage today. First thing, I'm not going to scratch every itch on the issue of holiness. Holiness is this, is this just monolith of an idea. And I'm not going to scratch every itch on it. I'm just going to say that. Even if I were to take the next three months and let's talk about what the Bible says, hey, let's look at holiness, I'm not going to scratch every itch on it. Why? Because it's just too big. I, guys, I've tried five times in the last five days to get out of this sermon. <laughs> because it's that big a, a, an idea. Holiness. But my hope is today, here's what I'm after today. I want you to begin thinking. I want you to begin asking God, God, what would a holy life look like for me? What would it look like for me to live a holy life? Because, listen, that's what you've called me to. Okay. What I want to do is I want to begin to just start to define it. And this is, guys, this is critically important because if you get the definition of holy, holiness wrong, here's what's going to happen. You're not just going to jack up yourself as a Christian. You're going to jack up a lot of other people. So let's talk about what holiness is. When, whole, when the word holy appears in the scripture, whether it's in the Old Testament with the word kadash or whether it's in the New Testament with the word hagios, when it gets to the English language holy, it means the same thing, and it's this, consecrated. What does that mean? Set apart. Guys, I'm going to make my phone holy right now for me. My phone is now holy to me. I have a holy phone. Right? My phone is now holy. And that's not an oversimplification, but literally as the Bible handles the word holy, my phone is now holy. What does that mean? It's been set apart from me. Does that make sense to you? So when we're talking about holiness, holiness, when we're talking about living a holy life, here's what we're talking about. We're talking about living in a separated way. Living in a separated way. Living to a separated standard. What is that standard? It's right here. And that's what God's called you and I to do. But here's, here's the problem. If we don't understand that it is a separation of standard, we're going to really mess ourselves and a lot of other people up. Here's what I mean. It is holiness is not a separation of your presence from other people. I'm going to let that sit in the room for just a second. Holiness is not a separation of your presence from other people. And here's what I mean by that. I just went down to South Carolina, and South Carolina is a little different than Massachusetts. Let me just say that. And the Christian, the cultural Christian subculture is everywhere. 
It is everywhere. We have multiple Christian radio stations. We have multiple Christian bookstores. We have multiple Christian newspapers. And by the way, I'm not knocking those things at all. I'm not knocking them. I use them. I like the Christian radio stations. But there's a whole subculture within the culture of Christianity. And by the way, they even have Christian landscapers. Hello? <laughs> we were driving down the road, and there was this advertisement for Elite, and it was the name of the landscaper, Elite. And the T in Elite was a big cross. You know what they're saying? If you're a Christian, you're going to use us. <laughs> right? It's this subculture. I mean, that's what you need. You need a Christian landscaper, right? But this, I'm saying, and here's the problem with that subculture, guys, is this, is that oftentimes it leads us to a life of isolation. Doesn't it? When we live in a subculture, it leads you to a life of isolation. What do I mean? You only hang out with people who have the same beliefs you do. That's why a lot of Christians can't defend their faith because they're never challenged in their faith because everyone believes the same thing they do. It's why so many churches in the year 2023 look like they're still in 1973. Because they've never been challenged. And so they become insulated. Guys, can I tell you, Jesus did not call you to live that way. He did not. If you don't believe me, you know his high priestly prayer? You remember John chapter 17 where he's praying, he's about to leave the world, and he's praying for you and me. He's praying for his followers. Listen to what he says to his heavenly father. Listen to what he says. Now I'm departing from the world. And they, my believers, are staying in the world. Verse 15. I'm not asking you, Heavenly Father, to take them out of the world. I'm not asking you to do that, Father. But I'm asking you to keep them safe from the evil one. Do you hear that? I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. We weren't supposed to be extracted out of the culture. We're supposed to be in the culture, influencing the culture. And by the way, can I just say, our text doesn't even support this today. Did you hear that? I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. Can I ask you a question? Where are all the utensils? They're in the same house. Not in this home there are utensils of gold and silver, and in this home there are utensils of wood and clay. They're in the same house. God is inviting you and I to be holy, yes, but he wants you to be holy in the world. That's a big thing. I think a lot of Christians miss that. That is a big thing. Yes, live to a different standard, but live to a different standard within the world. Influence the world. And guys, here's what I want us to move to today. How then? He's calling you and I to live a holy life, but how? How do we do it? Because I don't know about you, it's like I want to honor God when God says live a holy life. I want to do that, but I'm like, if I'm, if maybe you're like me most days, I'm like, how? How do I do this? If we go on to the next verse, it's interesting. Verse 22 of 2 Timothy 2 says this. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Now, my version, lust, kind of gives it more of a sexual overtone. But the idea, I love the version we had up here. I think it was ESV, said passions. Did you catch that? Run from youthful passions the word is literally pointing to things run from things that are out of bounds with god get away from things that are out of bounds i don't need to go into detail on that this morning i mean most of you in this room if you're here on january 1st if you came to church on january 1st you get the idea you know what those things are that displease the heart of god are you running away from and then listen here's the thing when we talk about these youthful us, I love that it says these are youthful us. These are things that 
that make you less than an adult. You catch that? Things that make you immature. Listen, it's all cute when you're a kid, but you do that as an adult, and it's a different game, isn't it? You don't like being around adults that act like children, do you? I don't. Although I act like a child last night. I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan, and if y'all saw that game last night, I was hopping around like a madman in my house last night. But run from these things that are stimulating youthful passions in you, things that are out of bounds. And notice it says run from. It says get away. Guys, you, we just went through Christmas, and the word here, the word here for run is fugo. It literally means flee with everything you have. It's the same word that was used in Matthew chapter 2. You know the Christmas story? So Jesus is born, and then the word comes to Joseph in a dream where the angel says to Joseph, hey, get out of here. Herod's army's on the way. Get to Egypt now. It's the same word. What is, what is, what is Paul trying to tell Timothy here? Run like your life depends on it, because it does. Death is on the way. It's a burning building. Get out. And this is the way we're supposed to flee that. Guys, can I just tell you, you saw this in the year 2022. Remember late February? Remember all the news? Russia was attacking Ukraine and all the pictures of people, the cars leaving Kiev. You saw that. Broke my heart. Did it break yours? People leaving their homeland. This is what the Bible's telling you to do with these youthful passions. Run like the wind. Get out of here. God is telling you, get away from those immature longings. But let's just be honest. When it comes to holiness, isn't the problem we don't really flee? Isn't that the problem? Guys, it's January 1st. Do you know I wish I was a gym owner today? I wish I was a gym owner because I'm going to make a lot of money today. And they're going to be around for about three weeks, right? You try to go to Planet Fitness up here, and you won't get a machine anytime during the day for about three weeks. And you just wait three weeks. They'll be gone, right? But, you know, I, I mention that because... Here it is January 1st, and I don't know about you, I say it every year, I have this increasing growth right here in the middle of my body as I get older, but I want to get rid of this part of my body, and I, I start the new year with the best of intentions, right, don't we? We want better bodies, but here's the thing, we, we want better bodies, but we don't let, want to take our hands off the Oreos, do we? <laughs> right? Man, those red ones at Christmas, I love those things. You know how to keep the Oreos from going in your mouth? Don't put them in the cabinet. You know how to keep them from getting to the cabinet? Don't, buy them. Don't put them in the cart. <laughs> we want better bodies, but we still got a hand on a bag of Oreos. And guys, I'm here to tell you that these youthful lusts that Paul is talking about, they're a lot more dangerous than Oreos. These things will take you out, and not just you. They'll take your whole family down. Guys, we forget we've got an enemy where if you say yes to Jesus, you got a target on your back. Congratulations. Welcome to the planet. And what we're talking about is a lot more dangerous than Oreo. Guys, here's the thing. If you don't do anything else in 2023, I, you know what I hope for you? I hope you learn your bents. You know what I mean when I say that? Your weaknesses, the things that you know you can't beat. I hope you begin to learn those. My last name is Ham. And I got to tell you, I'm teaching my kids right now that there are sins in the Ham family that you don't mess with. Things like alcohol. I've got a history of alcoholics behind me, miles long workaholism my dad on the golf course all the time not home with his family but also being in the office things like substance abuse it's in my family do you know what your bents are because in the same way it's easy not to eat oreos when they're not in the cabinet it's really easy to flee things that you know you're weak on if you don't ever get around them some of you need to hear what i just said i'm gonna say it again 
It's really easy to flee the things that you know you're weak in if you don't put them around you. And Paul is saying, run, run, flee this. But here's the thing. Paul goes on because of this truth. Yes, run away from something, but you need to run toward something else. Guys, we all know this. This is a basic science lesson. Nature abhors a vacuum, doesn't it, right? You open a can of coffee and what? <gasps> you hear that, right? Because the air is going in. That's a spiritual truth as well. What oftentimes in, in Christianity, what we say is, hey, run from this, run from this, run for this, but we don't tell you what to run towards. Paul is going to tell you now, yes, he says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust, but then the next two words are so important. And if you don't hear anything else, else the word says today, hear this, these two words, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust, two words, instead, pursue. Instead, pursue. Some of us Christians need to hear this. You have a role to play in your change. Do you know that? You have a role to play in your change. Guys, I, I think cultural Christianity has really sold you and me a bill of goods. Because I grew up hearing, give your heart to Jesus, and when you give your heart to Jesus, everything's just wonderful. Some of you are mature enough to know, nope. Guys, I've read this book, and the people who try to follow God, it doesn't necessarily go well for them. In fact, things go worse for them for a long while. And Paul is saying, there's something you need to do. There's something you need to go after. Don't just sit on there and wait, to, wait for God to do it. Yes, does God tell us to wait on things in our life? Absolutely. Is that what he's saying here? No. He's saying, you and I have to pursue something. You have to go after. And you know, it's funny. I, I, I'm not talking, I want to be careful here because I'm not talking about humanism. I'm not saying you can save yourself. It's not what I'm saying. But I am saying this. You have a role to play this year in 2023 in your life changing. You have a role. You have work to do. And the word pursue, guys, it, it literally calls to mind the idea of a police chase. One of the worst things I've learned I can do in my bed is sit there and scroll Facebook because of this thing, the reels that come up. And why is half of my reels police chases? I have no idea. Maybe because I was in the military, I have no idea. But have you ever watched how these, some of these cops pursue criminals? It's crazy what they do. I mean, they send the entire armada after them. And what Paul is saying, he's saying, the little definition of the word pursue is, listen to this definition, go after in any way to harass or trouble. Go after it with everything you've got. And Paul's saying we need to go after certain things. And what is he saying? Well, the verse goes on. Instead, pursue five things here. Righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. And then the fifth is enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. What's he talking about? Community. Righteous living, faithfulness, love, peace, and community. Can I ask you a question? How are you doing those things? All of you pursued something in 2022. All of you everybody you're going to pursue something in 2023 what's it going to be if we want to live a holy life yes there's something we have to put off yes we need to flee these youthful passions but we need to replace it with something else what are we replacing it with the pursuit of these five things righteous living what's that how are you doing at just doing the right thing can i ask you that how are you doing at just doing the right thing and i'm not talking about right according to the word I'm, this is what i mean by doing the right thing how are you doing at just doing what god asks you to do how are you doing at that I'm, by the way, I'm praying for you right now that God would speak to your heart. That there's something that's in your life that you know is the wrong thing. You know it. 
and that you'd have the courage right now to stop pursuing that and start pursuing right living. How are you doing at that? I love the next one, faithfulness. Are you a person of your word? Do you do what you say you're going to do? i got to tell you, Christians ought to be the most faithful people on the planet because we have a God who is so faithful to us, so faithful to you and me. He never gives up on you long after you've given up on yourself. He doesn't give up on you. How are you doing at faithfulness? Do you do do what you say? How about love? And there's the word here for love is agape love, that love for all. Can I ask you a question? Are people an inconvenience to you or are they often an opportunity? Listen, I went through a lot of stores and I just drove down the entire East Coast. People were an inconvenience to me. By the way, I just got to tell you, if you're in the left-hand lane, that is not called the riding lane. That's called the passing lane. (laughs) Just want to tell you that part, let you know. Are people an inconvenience? Or do you see every single face that you see as a creation of God? God made that person. I'm going to invest a little bit of my life in that person. Is that how you see people? Are they an inconvenience? How about peace? Peace can mean a lot of things, but I like this definition. Pursuing harmony in your relationships. Are you pursuing harmony in your relationships? One of my favorite verses in Romans 12, it says, As far as it's up to you, be at peace with all. It didn't, the Bible verse does not say, as far as it's up to you, be a doormat. It's not what it says. As far as it's up to you, have you made the effort to make peace? That's what God asks you to do. Pursue peace. And then I love this companionship community. One of the things that we came here to do here in Springfield was we came and we've started a house church. And I'm in love with the people in our house church. Absolutely in love with them. Because this is a community where people will literally be willing to put the finger in the chest of the other person and say, hey, I saw how you talked to your wife. That's not appropriate. I love that. When you have people who will lovingly, not like this, but lovingly come around you. So guys, let me, let me explain to you why all this matters. Let me tell you why all this matters to us. It's because of this. One is an external reason and one is an internal reason. Let me explain. Why do we pursue holiness? Why do we go after trying to adopt God's standard and live according to how he's asked us to live? And by the way, apparently he has a lot to say about our life because that's a really thick book. Why do we try to adopt his standards for our life and try to be one of these vessels of gold and silver instead of wood and clay? Well, the first is an external reason, and, I, and it's this, because people are done with fakes. Have you noticed that? People are really tired of fake people. And in this city, probably more than anywhere else. Guys, in August of 2019, God laid a city on our heart called Springfield, Massachusetts. We were living in the state of New York. I was a pastor at a church of about 3,000 people and seeing some th- ways things were going there and said, God, I don't think this is what you want us to do. And I got fired from there. It was the, one of the best days of my life. I, I mean that because I was seeing things we were doing to people and I'm like, Jesus would not do this. What are we doing? And so God put Springfield, Massachusetts on our heart and we ended up moving to New Hampshire. We moved to Manchester, New Hampshire. And I'm like, hey, God, I don't know if you missed it, but you overshot Springfield by two hours. Like you missed it. He's like, no, I haven't missed it yet. We went up there. We trained as church planters to plant a new church here and we moved here in, uh, in November of 21, and I've, as I, all I've done for the last year is just listen to the people of the city. At the gas station, at the grocery store, at the Thunderbirds games, go T-Birds, at, at, at different things. I've just listened to people. I've tried to have as many conversations as I have. And one of your pastor actually told me this. He said, one of the greatest things that I see in the people here is just apathy. People are just done. I'm tired of being faked out. People in this city are begging for something real. 
And when you and I try to live a holy life, here's what happens. Your holy life, not, you're not even trying to do this, but your, your adoption of God's standards, people seeing that you live your life differently, i got to tell you, they're attracted to that. My first interaction with your church was with Yah. I was sitting in the basement over at Shooting Stars where our girls dance, and I keep threatening my, wife, my, my daughter that I'm going to teach her class one day. And <laughs> she's scared to death I'm going to actually do it, but... Just in her conversation, I said, something different about her. She talks differently. We've gotten to know her and her family a little bit. It sticks out because people are looking for that. Guys, the reason we came to Springfield, Massachusetts, I don't know if you know the data about our city. Springfield, Massachusetts, according to George Barna, is the number one most post-Christian city in America. Springfield, Chicopee, Holyoke, and the surrounding towns. What does that mean? Fewer people per capita, per population in this city have anything to do with God, Jesus, and the church than any other city in America. That's why we came here. And i got to tell you, when I got here, I thought, oh, the reason it's this way is because we need more Jesus-centered, Bible-centered, Bible-preaching churches like you guys. That's what we need here in this city, and that's true. But I've discovered kind of a dirty little secret in our city is that we have that ranking of being the most post-Christian city not in spite of the church, guys, I think because of the church. The number of stories of church hurt in this city are overwhelming. I have cried myself to sleep on my pillow by the way I've seen the church treat some people in this city, and it devastates me, crushes me. We're more, we've, we've turned into people where we're more about our brand than we are about the kingdom, and we've got to stop that. Let's, be, let's act like Jesus. And so when you and I pursue a life of holiness, that first external reason is, is that our city desperately needs it. We need you to live this out. And no, I'm not talking about perfection. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about adopting the standard of God and saying, yeah, God, I'm going to screw this up. Just let you know, God, I'm going to screw this up a lot. But your standard is my standard. I want to live a holy life. That's why he asks us to be holy. That's that first reason. People have grown weary of the fake. A holy life will bring people to Jesus. But here's the second thing, and I love this. I love this so much. There's a verse in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. I love this. I'll just let it, I'll let it sit in the room on its own. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Work at living in peace with everyone. Listen to this. And work at living a holy life. Why? For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Guys, when you adopt God's standard, you know what's happening? You know, what, you know what's beautiful? You get to see God. As I have chosen to follow God and, and, and try to adopt these standards, yes, imperfectly, as I've done this, I have seen God move in my life and the lives around me in ways I didn't think possible. I have seen marriages that I thought were done completely restored. I have seen people who are addicted and never getting off the stuff set free. And not because I adopted the standard, but because it says those who are holy will get to see the Lord. He'll show you himself. I don't know about you, but that'd be a really cool 2023. If I can see God work in my life, in my neighborhood, and the people around me, woo, sign me up. I'm down for that. I want to see God work. And that's the opportunity that he's presenting to you with living a holy life. No, this is not about perfection. It's about adopting God's standards and say, yes, imperfectly, but I want to follow what you say. And that happens, you will get to see him. He will reveal himself to you. He will blow your windows and your doors out in 2023. He will blow your mind 
is what you'll get to see. And I don't know about you, but that, that, that is getting to see God. Man, I can't think of a better year for me or for you. Guys, here's the thing, though. Here's the beautiful part of this. It's not up to you. Your holiness is not up to you. You remember the beginning of this passage back in 2 Timothy? Do you remember? I pointed this out earlier. It says, In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. Now listen, if you keep yourself pure, didn't say perfect, if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. You will, you will excuse me, your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. So yeah, the utensils of wood and clay and silver are all in the same drawer, but which house are they in? They're in the master's house. They're in the master's house. Where do you live? Do you live in his house? And I'm not talking about this building. Do you live in his house? Do you live in his presence? Recently, we had an amazing friend of mine. Her name is Jen. She's in the room. I'm not going to point her out. I don't want to embarrass her, but... We had this gal, Jen, and her son live with us for four, four months. It was kind of hard for them. I mean, our house isn't incredibly huge, but we had a guest bedroom, and, and she just moved up here from New York, and, and uh, Jen couldn't get away from the presence of my family. I've had to apologize to her many times for that. But, and she couldn't get away from us, and we couldn't get away from her. You know why? Because we were in the same house. Well, guess what? If you choose to, to move yourself as one of his utensils into his house, you're in his presence all the time. Can I ask you a question? When was the last time you were in the presence of the Lord? I didn't ask when was the last time you read your Bible. I didn't ask when was the last time you went to church. I didn't ask when was the last time you prayed. I'm going to ask you a question again. When was the last time you were in His presence? Where He walked into the room you were in and you knew it. I mean, you knew it. When was the last time You know what I want to do today as I finish my time with you? The scriptures are clear. We all know the verse. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. Got news for you. The presence of God is right here, right now. He's here. I don't know. Did you come to church hoping to sing some carols or just kind of go through the motions? Or did you come to meet with God? I don't know about you. I came here today because I want to meet with him there's nothing better i'm telling you when you get in his presence i think about isaiah when he gets in his presence isaiah 6 you know the passage where he walks in he's just like whoa that's a beautiful passage go read it today i want to just give you a moment to sit in the presence of god just be in his presence for just a couple of minutes we do this in our house church and you already had that moment of silence and confession but i want to give it to you again and here's what I want you to do. First off, if you don't feel him, I'm just going to ask you for this. Would you ask him, Lord, would you just be here? Would you just show me you're here? If you sense he's here, I want you to ask him two questions. Number one, Lord, in 2023, what do you want me to run away from? What needs to go? What do I need to get away from? And what do you want me to pursue? Can I just give you a minute and just be with the Lord?
Heavenly Father, today I want to thank you for giving us a new year, for letting us see the ball drop and go into a new era of time. And Lord, as we leave 22 behind, I think a lot of us, maybe it was a great year, but I, I think there's not a person in the room who can't say, you know, there's something I want to leave in 22 and not bring into 2023. And God, I believe right now you are speaking to the hearts of these people as you're speaking to mine. There are things that need to stay December 31st and back. But Father, we're incapable of doing that. Maybe today some of us need to change our address. Maybe we need to change houses and live in the master's house. To live with you, Lord. To daily walk in your presence. And yes, yes, read your Bible. Yes, pray. Yes, all those things. But just Take a time in the new year just to sit with you. To not be like Martha, instead be like Mary and just sit at your feet to choose the better thing. God, forgive me for so many times where I chose good things, taking care of my family or whatever that was, but I didn't choose the best thing. Help us to be a people who choose the best thing because in that, Lord, in when we choose the best thing, when we choose to be in your presence, when we choose to live in the master's house, now we have a fighting chance to not be one of those vessels of wooden clay, but to be one of those holy set-apart vessels that you mean for special use, and that special use is daily. As we speak to people who are looking for something real in this city, but as people who want to see you, see you work in our lives, in our families' lives, in our neighbors' lives, in our coworkers' lives, our schools' lives, and yes, Lord, even the lives of this precious city, known as Springfield, Massachusetts. God, I know most days I feel like the 99-cent special fork from Walmart. <laughs> not something precious and silver, but that's not how you see me. That's not how you see your kids who've said yes to you. And so today, Father, would you help us to realize who we are and whose we are. And as we launch off into this new year, Father, may we experience you in a way that when the calendar rolls to 2024, we look back and say, I walked with the Lord this year, and it was awesome. Thank you, God, for your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.